Welcome to the Montgomery Community Church Podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you to grow deeper in your faith. If you'd like to learn more about MCC, you can visit our website at mcc.church. Well, good morning. It's so good to see you. It's so good to be back. Uh, We had a wonderful time skiing out west in the mountains and then last weekend having our Christmas with family in Michigan. Uh, our, our Christmas at Christmas was, uh, was a bust uh, with a lot of people sick and flights that didn't work. And so we had the opportunity to be with them, but now I have the opportunity to be with you, our family here. Love you all. And uh, really excited to dive into what we're going to talk about today. But before we do that, I, I want to just kind of continue that theme of prayer. I think it's so important. So will you join me? Dear Father, as we sit here on this incredibly beautiful day, As we are watching online in the comfort of our homes or spaces, wherever that is, and in the comfort of this place, there are those who are hurting. There are those who are struggling for their lives. And Lord, we pray for those precious people, people you made that you love in Turkey and Syria. Lord, lives have been lost, thousands. And Lord, we pray right now for those who are searching those who are on the ground right now trying to find that next survivor, God, pray that you direct them, lead them. Lord, work in and through them, we pray. Do what only you can do. And Lord, we pray for the teams that are present right now trying to revive and restore. Lord, we pray for all the healthcare workers, all those who have gathered, the hospitals there. Lord, we pray for amazing work to be done. And Lord, we pray for us. We here in the United States who are watching from afar, and Lord, we get busy, we get focused on other things. Lord, work in our hearts, soften our hearts to give, to help support those that you know, but we don't. But they are valued, they are precious. And so Lord, may you spur in us giving hearts that would help support those uh, who, are, who are lost, those who are hurting those who need to find health and strength. God, we lift this whole situation before you. Lord, Lord, asking for your move, for your hand, and Lord, ultimately for your will to be done. We pray this, Lord, in your name. Amen. Do you want to grow? I mean, think about your own life. Think about the activities you kind of engage with. Think about what's important to you. Do you want to grow? Do you want to advance? Do you want to flourish in your life? Well, the truth in our society is that many people say they want to grow. And they do. They say they don't want to regress. They don't want to stagnate. Heavens no, they don't want to remain the same. And yet the truth is due to our love of comfort in our society, due to our pursuit of comfort, not as many people grow as you might imagine. In fact, the reality is we all need to grow. It's why Psych Central identified nine tips for growth. I'm going to read just some of them to you as we get going here this morning. They say, if you want to grow, first you have to identify your personal values. Because this can help determine what gives your life purpose, what gives your life meaning. So basically, a values-driven person is a growing person. That's what they say. 
I would say it depends upon what your values are. Because not all values are created the same. Not all values are going to spur growth in your life. Secondly, they say practice daily gratitude. Because a thankful person is a growing person. And I would say they're onto something here. We'll talk about this in a few moments. But being a thankful person is a result of something else that really needs to happen first. But this is certainly good. And then they say, thirdly, adopt a healthier lifestyle. So exercise, eat a balanced meal, boost your productivity. Because health, that's good for all of us, it is. But it doesn't necessarily mean that a person is growing. I mean, through my years sitting down with people, I have sat with many healthy people, physically healthy people who would say that they were dying inside. Fourth, they say get quality rest. Because if you get seven or eight hours of sleep every single night, it's going to prepare you for growth. I think that's true. But I actually think our best growth really is based on whom we are resting in. And then they say, set short-term and long-term goals, because by doing that, you're going to both be able to advance and measure your level of growth. And that certainly could be true as well. But it's also true that a person can embrace goals that really aren't all that beneficial. I mean, we pursue a lot of things in our life that don't help us to grow at all. In fact, some of these goals we kind of identify for ourselves sometimes can cause us to stagnate. So... The central question is, how can we grow in the right ways? What does that look like? Well, allow me to take you to to the heart of today's kind of central passage. Now, we're going to focus first on the middle of this passage. Normally, I start at the beginning, kind of work our way through. I'm going to start in the middle, then go back to the beginning in order to move forward. So then, how does Paul say that we can grow? Well, take a look at Colossians 2, verse 6. This is the NIV version. It says, So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him. It's a beautiful verse. Now, it is a beautiful verse, but in the Greek, kind of the last part of this verse actually says to walk. Here it says, live your lives, but it means actually to walk. And so a better rendering of verse 6 is actually found in the ESV, where it says, therefore, as you have received Christ as Lord, so walk in him. Notice two really important, short, but really important words. The word as. As we have received Christ, we are to walk how? I mean, does Paul tell us to, to walk with Christ, kind of side by side? I mean, that would be beautiful. Or does he say to walk by Christ, to always make sure that he's close? No. Rather, Paul tells us to walk in Christ. Isn't that interesting? To walk in him. Now, in the Greek, our word for in, it signifies a a fixed position. So when something is fixed, it cannot move by itself. In fact, it's impossible to move by itself because it's fixed. And if that's the case and we're to walk, how in the world can we walk? Because walking would require kind of one step after another. It would require movement. So what is Paul talking about? Well, he's saying that you cannot move by yourself. But when you're fixed with Christ, here's the deal. We move as he moves. We move as he moves. As leads to in. Again, Paul is telling us, as you have received him, so walk in him. So our birth in Christ is strategically linked to how we grow in Christ. Or to put it this way, how we are attached to Christ 
helps us to walk in Christ. So contrary to popular opinion, as Christians, we don't get to choose our own path to growth. I mean, I've heard people say, you know, when I, when I, I grow, when I walk in nature, you know, I don't need to read the Bible. I don't really need to go to church or anything. I just grow when I walk in nature. I like to walk in nature. Or, you know, the way I grow is when I read a good theological book. Or some people say the way I grow is when I listen to my favorite pastor on my favorite podcast. And these are not necessarily bad, but they are incomplete. Remember, Paul says, as leads to in. As you have received him, so walk in him. And I think one reason why some Christians believe they can choose their own path to growth is because in a way they've kind of chosen their own way of kind of receiving him. Like when somebody says, well, yes, I'm a Christian. You know that prayer that you're supposed to pray to make sure you go to heaven? Well, I prayed that prayer, so I'm all set. I'm moving on. That's kind of like a seed being dropped on top of the soil, but it's not deeply rooted. Something more needs to take place there. Or when someone said, yes, I'm a Christian. I've been a Christian from the day I was born. I was baptized that way, so I'm a Christian. Or yes, I'm a Christian. I believe in God. That's good. But here in Colossians 2, Paul is reminding us of the only way we can truly receive him, which leads to full growth in him. And he does this by way of a three-stage process. It's clearly outlined for us in verse 7. It starts with being rooted or attached and built up in him. First step, rooted or attached and built up in him. Secondly, strengthened in the faith as you were taught. And then thirdly, overflowing with thankfulness. So living in Christ or walking in Christ means you are rooted, strengthened, overflowing. Say that with me. Rooted, strengthened, overflowing. That's a three-stage process. One person wrote this, and I agree with him. To be rooted is perhaps the most important and least recognized need of the human soul. Think about that. The most needed It really is. I agree. I mean, I think one reason why our current culture is so angry, so divided, is so incredibly tribal is because people either are not rooted at all or they're rooted in the wrong things. A friend of mine built upon this. They wrote me this past week. They said, being rooted isn't just about the soul. It's about the mind and the body too. And when we're not rooted in Jesus, even if we're rooted in something else, that something else will eventually shake. It may even shake us loose. And when that happens, yes, we may respond with anger. But I believe that underneath that anger is a profound fear that comes from mind, body, and soul. Because if we aren't rooted, we don't feel safe. And the natural response to lack of safety is fear. Jesus Christ calls us to a fearless faith. That means he calls us to a rooted faith. Rooted, it actually means this, to be very strong and firmly fixed. And there's that word fixed again, very strong and firmly fixed. So how do we get there? Well, at the very beginning of Christ's ministry, Jesus said it this way, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. So let's talk about repent. There's many different ways that people define this. Let us simply say that repent is regret accompanied by a true change of heart toward God. 
It's a point where we say, you know what? Yes, I have sinned. I repent. I'm, I'm regretful of all those things. I repent. I turn. I have a new change of heart towards God, which causes me then to believe, to believe. A focus on the present and future based upon a new understanding. I would say an understanding which is deeply rooted in Christ. It's why Jesus said these words, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, there's that in word again, and I in you, firmly fixed, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. When he moves, we move because we're attached to him. And this means that our repentance and our belief are both rooted in an understanding which says, I am not my own. I cannot walk all by myself. No, I've been bought with a price. And since Christ has paid for my sin and I've repented from that sin, I am now rooted in him. I am now fixed in him. And even so, some people, they, they struggle with what Jesus said, if we're honest. I mean, I've heard people say, okay, Jesus said I could do nothing without him. I mean, I can do many things without Christ. I could graduate from college. I can get a high-paying job. I can get married for life, and I can have as many kids as I want. So don't tell me I can do nothing. And this statement would be to miss the point. You see, he's basically saying, sure, you can identify your personal values. You can. You can even do good things like practice personal gratitude. You can adopt a healthier lifestyle, get quality rest, and even, you know, make some lofty goals. But will these necessarily help you to grow in the right ways that align with the very God who made you? Put another way, Jesus is saying that apart from him, there is no thing you can do on your own which will grow you as God's child. This is a work that only Christ can do in and through you once you repent, believe, and follow. This is the good news, friends. That Jesus came to die for your sins and then rise again so that those who repent and believe in him will receive the forgiveness needed from him to inherit eternal life with him. Once we make that decision to repent, repent, believe, and follow, we are then rooted in Christ, fixed in him. Is that you? Is that you? Are you rooted in Christ? Michael DeFazio says that when it comes to Jesus, you have four options. I want you to consider these, four options. First, you can say Jesus is false, but you believe in him confidently. He's not real, but I believe in him. Secondly, Jesus is false, and you don't believe in him confidently. Thirdly, Jesus is true, but you don't believe in him confidently. I'm just going to do my own thing. Or fourth, Jesus is true, and you believe in him confidently. Which one have you been embracing in your life? You see, only the fourth response will result in being rooted in Christ. And bottom line, then, is when you are attached to the root, you're going to bear much fruit. When you're attached to the root, you're going to bear much fruit. And the bearing of that fruit, then, is a natural outflow of the second step that Paul outlines, that step of being strengthened. And strengthened how? Well, Paul clearly tells us, in the faith as you were taught. So we can only be strengthened by embracing what Scripture has taught us. So are you daily in God's Word? I mean, various studies out there show that a lot of Christians aren't. They hear the Bible when they come. They might see something like a brief statement or a verse posted online, but they're not in God's Word. Are you daily seeking God in prayer? 
I mean, not just raising the things that you want. God, please do this for me. But are you seeking him in prayer? Are you daily glorifying God in worship? Like wherever you go, you're like, wow, God, that amazes me. Thank you. Thank you for this. God, wow, look at that. Just kind of a natural response of worship as you go. Are you in a small group? Are you being sharpened with others and by others? As leads to in. There is no other way to grow. And when we grow in these ways, it's going to lead to a life of overflowing. Overflowing with what? Thankfulness. How many thankful Christians do you know? When you look in the mirror, what do you see? Do you see a thankful person? Because Paul tells us that a growing Christian is a thankful Christian. A Christian who is thankful for what God has done in them and through them. A Christian who is thankful for what God is doing in the lives of others because they are others focused. And a Christian who is thankful for what God is doing in the life of his church. As leads to in. As you have received him, as you've been rooted in him, so walk in him. As he moves, you move. There is no other way to grow. That's why Paul tells us, so then just as you have received Christ as Lord, continue to live your lives in him or walk in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. So make no mistake about it here, friends. In Colossians chapter 2, Paul, he's laying it all on the line. He's telling us that if you want to grow, you got to make Jesus central. He's saying that there's no good reason to give your attention, your devotion, your allegiance, or your faith to anything else or anyone else. Christ is all sufficient. To put it differently, if you really want to grow as a Christian, all you need is more, uh, is more basically of what he's already given to you. Himself. Himself. And yet many people hear that and they kind of consider it, and yet they kind of struggle. I think they struggle because we live in a marketplace of options, don't we? I mean, who only eats Mexican food every single time? I love Mexican food. In fact, I could eat it almost every single day, to be honest. But every single time, it's nice to mix it up just a little bit. Or who only buys their food at Kroger every single time? I mean, sometimes there's options that are closer, right? Maybe even cheaper, right? So, and who only rides the Diamondback roller coaster at Kings Island every single time, right? I mean, people would say there's newer and maybe even better options out there. So when we hear that the only way to grow is truly to be fixed only in Jesus, we're often tempted to find another route, another way. Paul is saying, don't waste your time. Save yourself a lot of pain. Don't waste any time. In fact, before he wrote these words in what we call chapter 2 of Colossians, he wrote these words at the end of chapter 1. If you were here last weekend, you might recognize them. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, that's a long time, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery. There's that mystery word again. And see, Paul's reminding them, and he's actually reminding us, that when you take a look at the Old Testament, I mean, it is a powerfully long book which has no definitive ending. Think about that. 
Will it point forward to the hope that will one day be possible, that would one day help people grow and experience full life? It actually ends without any signs of life. In fact, at the end of the Old Testament, what do you find? But 400 years of silence. Think about that. 400 years where God did not speak. 400 years where no scripture was written. But 400 years when a mysterious promise was left hanging out there in the balance. A promise that said there's one who is coming who's going to bring about restoration. There's one who is coming who's going to give you life. There's one who is coming who's truly going to help you grow. And then nothing. For 400 years, this incredible mystery was left hanging in the air. But then now here in Colossians 2, Paul tells us that this mystery has been revealed. And who or what is this mystery? To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is what? Christ in you. Christ in you. The hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. So basically, as you are rooted in Christ, so too will you grow in Christ. Because only Christ is the mystery who helps us grow in maturity. See, Paul is building his case here. Here's what he always does this. The first thing he does, he says, this mystery, it's been there for a long time, but it's revealed in Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ only. Then he says, secondly, Jesus has provided a way for all people. doesn't matter your background, the color of your skin, whether you're a Jew or Gentile, everyone can grow and experience this new life. And then he writes in chapter 2, the first verse, I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. He says, I'm not just struggling for you, Colossae. I'm struggling for the Christians in Laodicea as well. Why? Well, we learned as we kicked off this series that Laodicea was kind of a modern city filled with some Christians who added an and onto the name of Jesus. Yeah, Jesus was great, but Jesus and this. Jesus and that. See, the Christians in Laodicea, they said they wanted to grow, but they were trying to grow on their own terms. That's why Paul was contending for them. But that's not all. He also says he's, he's really struggling and contending for all those who do, do not yet know him. He cares about them. He cares about us. He cares about you. Because he knew what every culture throughout time would try to sell you. More things you don't need. More things that will just stunt your growth. More things that only help you to regress. And then he comes back to that theme. In verse 2, he says, my goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know what? The mystery of God. And who is the mystery? Namely, Christ. There's that mystery theme again, and the mystery is Jesus Christ. Again, he's saying, first, this mystery is found in Jesus Christ. Secondly, Jesus has provided a way for all people to experience new life. And then Paul addresses the third blessing of this mystery, found only in Christ. He says, in him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. He's raising a question, really. He's saying, where do you turn to for guidance? Who do you look to? Where do you turn when you want to know the answer to something or when you want to know how to grow? 
You know, to the readers back then, those who lived in the Old Testament, their answer was always the law. That's where you went for all those answers. But Paul says, now due to Christ's birth and his work on the cross and through his resurrection, the answer for everyone is found only in Jesus. Is he your answer? Is he? Or are you satisfied with making him just one of your answers? You see, Paul knew our tendencies. That's why he wrote in verse 4, I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. In our day, arguments like progressive Christianity, or the prosperity gospel, agnosticism, atheism, or the most popular in our age, me-ism. It's all about me being on the throne. Or new age meditation. Paul is saying, do not be dis- dismayed and do not be swayed. Don't do it. If you truly want to grow, he's saying there is no other way. For in him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. He's saying not just some of the treasures. That'd be nice. Not just most of the treasures. That'd be pretty great. But all of the treasures. Two highly respected theologians, one man who spoke directly into my own life by surprise some years ago. They wrote, it is Christ, nothing more, nothing less. Christianity is not an ideology or a philosophy. Neither is it a new type of morality, social ethic, or worldview. Christianity is the good news that beauty, truth, and goodness are found in a person. And humanity and community are founded on and experienced by connection to that person. So do you really want to grow? Then make Jesus central by being fixed only in him. In Christ, friends, you're going to find everything that you need. Think about it this way. Just like a plant needs water and light to grow, you and I need water and light to grow. It's why Jesus said, whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a a spring of water welling up to eternal life. He's saying everybody's thirsty. A A lot of different kinds of water out there. Drink my water and you will live. That's not all. Jesus also said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Do you really want to grow? Then be attached to Jesus because only he is the water and only he is the light. And it brings us back to that central passage. So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, As you have been fixed in him, rooted in him, continue to live your lives in him or walk in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. See, Paul is doing something here he does in many other passages that he writes. He tells you something once, then he tells you again, and then he tells you a third time just to make sure you didn't miss it. And that's why after telling us again of the essential message of Jesus Christ, he tells us again then of the other messages we'll be receiving because we live in this world. He writes, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. He's reminding us that In every culture, throughout time, there is an ever-abundant supply of false water that will not satisfy. There's an ever-abundant supply of false light that will only keep you in the darkness. And there's an ever-abundant supply of false roots that will only help you die. 
So what are you drinking? What light are you truly basking in? And what or whom are you really connected to? Friends, there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. Before I moved here like nine and a half years ago, I was in Lansing, Michigan for like 11 years. And, and in my time there, I was blessed to have the opportunity to kind of be part of a group of pastors. It, it started with just a few of us, a handful of us. And then it grew to over 70 pastors throughout the city. And as churches, we would lock arms together. We would learn together, worship together, serve together. It was, it was beautiful. And then I moved here, and I didn't know anybody, so I spent my first year just trying to get to know people, know the church, you know. But then I got this invitation from some pastors in the area who had been meeting, and they'd been doing certain things together, and they invited me to join them. So I thought, you know, now's the time. I've been here long enough to kind of start diving into some other relationships. And so I showed up to that meeting. We all sat around those tables, and I didn't know anybody. And so I asked them, like, what is one win you've experienced together? Here's what they told me. I wrote it down. At our last two community services, we were successful in making sure the name of Jesus was never mentioned. That was success for them. I never went back. There is a way that seems right to even some pastors. In the end, it leads to death. Be very careful who you're listening to. At the deceitful world out there, do you really want to grow? Do you really want to grow? Then make Jesus central. Because in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. See, Paul is diving deeper here. He's saying, Jesus, when it comes to Jesus, he is God in human form. Jesus makes God visible. And in Jesus, we not only see what God looks like, we are actually connected to God himself. Jesus is all we need. But again, we struggle because a Jesus-only lifestyle is hard for us to embrace because we live in this salad bar culture, don't we? I mean, a culture that says you can find a little bit of God in Jesus, for sure. I mean, but you can find a little bit of God in Buddha. You can find a little bit of God in your ancestors. And don't forget, you can find a little bit of God in yourself. You can find a little bit of God in the universe. And you can find a little bit of God in your new age meditation. But the Bible makes it clear, friends. God has not chosen to dwell in a book. He's not chosen to dwell in a building. He's not chosen to dwell even in the cosmos. He's not chosen to dwell in a variety of philosophies, religions, and ideas. Heavens no. But God has chosen to dwell in one body, the body of Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus is not just one leader among many. And he's not just a moralist or a social revolutionary. Jesus is not just another self-help guru. And Jesus is not just one more way up the mountain. Rather... Jesus is the top of the mountain, personally traveling down to us here in the valley below. Yes, in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. Are you focusing your life on him? One pastor wrote it this way, if you want the ocean, go to the coast. If you want money, go to the ATM. If you want skyscrapers, go to New York City. 
If you want God, go to the one in whom his fullness dwells. All you need is Jesus. And when it comes to Jesus, he is the head over every power and authority. So do you really want to grow? Then make it a habit to study what Jesus said. This past year, I had the opportunity to speak in this place somewhere towards Middletown. And this is a place where men who are coming out of, you know, prison or jail, they, they go there for some weeks or months before they are released to go into the world. It's a preparatory place. And so I spoke to them, about maybe 15 guys or so. And then when I was done, a guy in the back row, he kind of raised his hand and said, you know what, I, I, I've tried to read the Bible. I, I, I don't really know that I understand it. And he looked at me and says, could you give me one of those Bibles with the red letters in them? And, and the other guys were like, what's up with the red letters? He says, well, the red letters, those are the words that Jesus spoke. He said again, can you give me one of those Bibles with the red letters in them? I said, yeah, absolutely, I will. But before I could do that, someone else from this church actually gave him one of those Bibles. Why don't you spend some time reading those red letters, friends? Understand what Jesus said. Then make it a habit to do what Jesus did. He said, the things I'm doing, you will do as well. And then make it a habit to embrace how Jesus loves. And then apply all of these various lessons to your own life. Do you really want to grow? Do you? Then say this with me. Let's say it together. If I am to grow all I need is Jesus. Say that again. If I am to grow, all I need is Jesus. Do you know him? I think some here know about him, but have you been rooted in him? And some here, you know, you've heard about Jesus. Yeah, he's, he's there, but he's not here. I want to give you the opportunity right now to know him, to be rooted in him. So wherever you are online here in this place, you just bow your head, close your eyes. And you can say a prayer that looks something like this. I'll just say some words and you can say these words privately from your heart to God's. Jesus, I've done a lot of things wrong. I've been trying one option after another. I've been confused. I felt lost. I've experienced pain. And while I don't like this word, I have sinned many times. Oh Lord, forgive me. Jesus, forgive me. Thank you for what you've done for me on the cross. Thank you for taking my sins upon yourself, paying the price that I can never pay. Oh, Jesus, forgive me. And now it's my desire that I walk in you. I'm not even sure what all that means, but I want to walk in you. I don't want you to be one of my options. 
I don't want you to be someone I turn to when things don't go quite right. I want to be focused on you. I want to become part of the family of God, his child. So thanks for your forgiveness. Lord, help me to be rooted in you. And where you move, I want to move. Help me to walk in you. And help me to experience the life you have for me. A life everlasting. And Lord, when I get up tomorrow morning, and the morning after that, Lord, help me to build my life on you. Lord, through every word that I say, may it be built on you. Every thought I think, may it be built on you. Every action of my life, may I build on you. Because it means I know you and reflect you to all the others around me who are seeking their own way. So thanks for your forgiveness. Thanks for helping me to build my life on you. Help me now to grow in you and share the truth of you wherever I go. I pray this in the powerful name, the redemptive name, the truth-filled name of Jesus. This is my prayer. Now may it be my life's song. I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening. You can stay connected throughout the week by following Montgomery Community Church on Facebook and Instagram. For more information about MCC, visit our website at mcc.church.